They were anxious, admittedly. Because these people who, I'll give the administration credit, had done nothing but cause problems for the school as a whole, were going to be put up in front of the church, just like we do here, and lead the school in song. And they were worried that they were going to do something truly horrible. Right? Like, as bad as change the words. That we have microphones up there. Say a bad word and then try to shrink back into the class. They were worried, and I understand, and I get that. But I told them, I said, listen, these guys only take from this institution right now. I'm giving them an opportunity to give back. And I said the same thing to the kids. And I was honest with them. I said, guys, I, I've heard about you. I heard about how you constantly are causing problems for every community, for teachers, for just people in the area. People have written you off. You need to know that. But here's a chance for you to give back. But I need you to know something, that if you get up there, if you sit in these rows and in front of those microphones, and you make a joke of what this school stands for, a Catholic school on the south side of Chicago, then I need you to know, I am getting up from the piano. I'm walking out that door. I'm getting in the car, and I'm driving to my home. And you will not see me again. Because I will not be here anymore. Because they don't believe that you can do this. But I'm trusting you with my reputation, which is nothing here. And my job. And initially they were, you know, taken back, you know, one or two kids were like, eh, maybe we shouldn't do it, Mr. Ricks. <laughs> not that they were going to do it, but they didn't necessarily trust their other friends. But then some of, you know, some of the more vocal kids were like, oh, let's do it, let's do it. So the mass day comes, it's in November, and we go in there and they, they, they stand up there. And I invite the, uh, the congregation of students, managers, so boys, to stand. And, and they do. And these guys sing. Those guys don't sing yet, okay? They're still filling it out. They still need to learn some of the music because they've never sung. And they do a wonderful job. Teachers, at, at the end of Mass, they got a standing ovation. Okay? They got a standing ovation because they see that these people tried. Teachers came up afterwards to these boys and thanked them for their service to the school. And I don't think some of these boys have ever had this experience before. Mass is at Brother Rice now. Everybody sings. The faith part of this, I took trust of God and kids. That was number one with this situation. Because... After that Mass, I no longer felt alone. Those kids were my biggest allies, even more so than the kids that I was hired to really come and focus on, the band kids. Those kids were my, my powerful allies for me in the school because they know that I trusted them because I did trust them. I gave them very powerful control over my future. And then they trusted me back knowing that I was not going to put them in a situation where they would be ridiculed. I trusted God in the fact that... Uh, Engaging these boys in this way, I knew that there had to be some divine intervention. To praising God with song is a big journey. And I know they didn't do it alone. Okay, they didn't. Second thing. I took the understanding of the awesome responsibility that we, as believers, have to pass on our faith to young people. It is so important, and I hate to say it, but it is so often neglected, because it's hard. It really is hard, 
To go to a young person who is predisposed to sort of reject anything that is adult, the church, school, work, anything, and talk to them about faith is hard because it challenges us. It asks us, what do we really believe? And we don't, and you know, we don't think about it enough. We don't think about what we really believe enough. So when we enter into this difficult discussion with kids, it makes us step back and say, oh man, and it's difficult. We don't like that. It feels uncomfortable. But we need to step up. It's a very important job. I mean, think about it. If you just convert one kid who was not believing before to now he thinks he has some faith and he's going to start to follow that, no greater gift you could give to that young person or to God. Third thing that I took from this experience specifically is stepping outside your comfort zone. Uh, moving to Illinois, moving away from my home, was quite a sacrifice. Uh, and I, I still lament it. I still am sad and I still miss the people, my family and friends in Maryland that I had been with for 28 plus years prior to moving here. Um, but... Everything that I've gained from here, I would not have without it. The, less, the lessons I've learned about myself and my faith in life, I would not have gotten uh, unless I made the move. Now, I want to give you three quick tips about workplace that I learned from this experience. And, and in your workplace, if you feel like you're struggling, or uh, these are three very easy things to do that, that's going to make it a better place for you to be and exist. Okay? Step one. Tips, three tips, three steps. Step one, listen a lot. Listen a lot. It does two things when you listen, okay? First, it empowers the person that you are listening to, okay? Instead of talking to me, you gotta listen. It empowers the person that you're listening to because we don't really listen very well as people, okay? Um, it makes them feel important. It makes them feel, the second part, valued. And if you think about it, in this life, that's all we really want to do is feel valued. We want to feel important and relevant. And listening is the easiest and quickest way to do it. Alright, so, listen. Go and listen. Listen viciously, alright? Start conversations that are only going to end up with you sitting in silence. And if you can get into that, you are forming a relationship that's going to be very powerful for you. Okay? So that's step one. Tip one. Step two. Be a servant leader. Okay? And this is especially if you're new in a job, too. I, and I, I have to tell you, that's my perspective. But I imagine that even if you've been in a place for ten years, if you, if you adopt these philosophies, they will be powerful for you, too. But be a servant leader. And I say be a servant leader even if you're a brand new person, because we're all leaders. Everyone's watching us and what we're doing. And when, if there's ever somebody watching, you're leading, whether you like it or not. So, when I say be a servant leader, never ask someone to do something that you're not willing to do. Never watch someone else do something unless you're willing to do it with them. People have such, uh, have such a respect for the servant leader. And there's lots of different ways that you can find ways to be a servant leader in your workplace. So think about it. Start to adopt them, and you will build powerful allies uh, and, and build strong relationships, especially with that listening tip. Create an environment of trust. 
these things lead to this final step, the listening, the servant leadership. Because trust is the most powerful thing we have in our society. I'm a big Divine Mercy follower. Okay, I love the Divine Mercy. love St. Faustina. Her diary is, is a must-read. But what's the mantra of the Divine Mercy? It's Jesus, I trust in you. Because trust is a surrendering of yourself to others. Okay? And that's why we must, and it's the hardest thing to do, I don't always do it well, but we must surrender ourselves to Christ. And how do we do that in our everyday lives? With other people. With people we work with. So you must create an, env an environment of trust. There's three ways you do this. Don't judge. And this is hard. This is really hard. I failed on that today, and I'm coming and talking to you here. But you can't. It's not our job. Okay? We need to protect ourselves. We need to protect our jobs to a certain extent. But tearing down others is not the way to do it. Even in our weakest and hardest moments, we've got to rise above it. If you can, you will create an environment of trust. Number two. Remember that everybody comes to work with different baggage. Okay? And a lot of it we don't know. And that's fine. But when someone comes off gruff or short or sad or just anything that's rubbing you the wrong way, remember that nine times out of ten, you're not the cause of that. And if you respect that, you'll create the environment of trust. And number three, remain humble. I turned off my phone, but the background of my phone is uh, Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And I have that as a background of my phone to remind me as many times as I look at my phone in the, in the day, which is countless, I'm sad to say, that Christ washed the feet of his disciples, which is symbolic for his relationship with us and our relationship with others. If you remain humble and you live a humble life and everybody can watch that and observe that, you will create this environment of trust. These three things in creating the environment of trust it, are so difficult. That's why it is so rare in our society, in our lives, to find people that we truly trust. Because to live these three things is really difficult. In fact, I believe it takes a lifetime to truly understand what it means to do these three things. Although I'm going to keep trying to hit it earlier than the end of my life. We'll see how it goes. But those three things, with humble being sort of that all-encompassing punctuation to a trusting society around you, I find you do those, you to follow those three tips, uh, any workplace environment is going to be, next to family and church, your favorite place to be. So, that's my little talk on, on faith and, and work, and uh, I, I hope you enjoyed it. It was really a pleasure talking with you, and I, I guess questions, is that right? If anyone has any questions. Yes, Brother Rice is run by the Christian Brothers, and there are a number of brothers who work at Brother Rice. There's actually a monastery attached to the school, which is great to have those guys there. And they are part of the everyday life. You don't go through a day at Brother Rice without running into at least a few brothers. No, I had a Christian Brothers High School, I guess, and uh, well, that was way back, but then just about everyone was a Christian brother, and 
not let me know we're quite experienced in teaching because that's, that's what was their entire life. So. That's exactly right. And you know what my favorite thing about the Christian brothers are? Is, and Edmund Rice especially, uh, is that they, their mantra is that we will, everyone is entitled to education and everyone can be educated. So we, you know, we don't reject students at Brother Rice. You certainly have your elite Catholic schools, but we will bring in anyone and, and help give them a, a, a good path. So yeah, yeah Christian Brother Schools are excellent. Absolutely. Is there a tuition? Yes, there is. Uh, yeah, although we try to get as much financial aid as, pos as possible. Uh, Brother Rice runs uh, about $10,000 a year right now. Where is Brother Rice located? Uh, Brother Rice is located on the corner of 99th and Pulaski. Well, thank you all very much. Oh, no, we have one more. That's fine. I wanted to remark, you would make an excellent priest if you didn't have that family. I, I went to Catholic high schools and... You remind me so much of uh, the Jesuits. And, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we need more people like you to get across to these young people. I uh, think that's a huge compliment. And if priests could get married, I would become a priest, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, thank you all very much. I, I look forward to